Ron White is a two-time USA memory champion. He holds the record for most numbers memorized in five minutes and the fastest to memorize a deck of cards. He has trained his memory to a freakishly good level to become a top worldwide memory expert. If you're fans of National Geographic series Brain Games, you've also seen Ron in a number of episodes. Ron has given talks all over the world and has appeared on many TV shows including Good Morning America, Fox, and NBC. He shared some of his tactics in his book titled Memory in a Month. As a plus, Ron loves baseball. Today I'm going to talk to Ron about some questions I have about memory and how the working memory affects sports performance. Thank you for being here, Ron. Oh, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and it uh, sounds like you got a good podcast here. Can you talk to us about how you got started with memorizing stuff competitively? Well, um, competitively, I guess it started in uh, 2008. But my journey really began along uh, uh, in 1991. Uh, so 30 years ago, basically, you know, give or take, I was uh, 18 years old. And I was going to college, having a little bit of problems with college. And I heard about a memory course, and I took the course. It th- I thought it sounded interesting and exciting to me. And I really liked it, so I went to work for that company. And uh, th- they taught me a memory system. I eventually branched out on my own and started my own company. But I did that for, you know, decade, a decade and a half, you know, almost 15 years uh, or over 15 years before I started competing competitively in memory tournaments and I just made that switch just because I just wanted a new challenge, you know, it was, and plus, you know, whenever I was getting introduced to speak at these events, before I would speak, they'd say, this is Ron, one of the top memory experts in the world. And in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, what have you done to prove that? You need to either prove this or take that line out of your introduction. So uh, 2008 was my first memory championship. Uh, I came in fourth place, but I, it was very close. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I just got blown out of the water. So I knew that if I could come in fourth place in my first try, that I could win. So I put all my effort into winning, and I went back in in 2009 and 10, became the two-time USA memory champion. Wow. So what is a memory tournament? Well, you know, there are are tournaments all over the world. Uh, You have the World Memory Championship. Uh, You have tournaments in specific countries. And for the most part, most of the tournaments are a series of events. They'll give you a deck of cards, and, and you'll pick it up and look through it as fast as you can, memorize it as fast as you can, and then you'll set them down, and then you'll pick up another deck, and you'll reassemble that second deck to match the first deck. So the quicker you can do that, the better, the higher your score. Uh, they'll give you five minutes to memorize as many numbers as you can, and um, I memorized 167 digits in five minutes, and that was a record in 2009. The record has since been broken. Uh, I set the record for the fastest to memorize a deck of cards in the United States at one minute and 27 seconds. That record's been broken. But these are types of events that you'd see at a memory tournament. How fast can you memorize a deck of cards? How many numbers can you memorize? How many words can you memorize? How many names and faces can you memorize? And then basically they just add up the scores and the person with the best score at the end, you know, is the winner of that tournament. That's kind of how it goes. Basically it's a series of events though, memory events. Okay, I see. And is memorizing stuff stressful or fun to you? Because I know like students sometimes get stressed out by like so much stuff they have to memorize for school. Yeah, so so memorizing can be relaxing for me. Um, I think what is stressful is sometimes the the time you know crunch. We feel like oh we have to have this done for this test on Friday, and that can be stressful. 
or the outcome. What is going to happen if I don't do well on this test? That can be stressful. Um, or just the overwhelming amount of information, thinking I don't have enough time to get it all. It can be stressful. But the act of memorizing itself, for me, is not stressful. Um, it is it is relaxing almost. Um, what is stressful, though, is if I have a deadline or, 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 or a... a, a, a a goal, something hinges on it. Like if I don't memorize this by Friday, I'm going to be in trouble. Then it gets stressful. But memory itself is, is not stressful for me. And it really shouldn't be for any student. Because uh, we should look at, it's not, it's, it, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world regardless of what happens. Okay. And even if you're under pressure during a tournament, you don't feel stressed at all? Well, I, I feel stress. Um, but you got to learn learn to control your stress. Stress is the worst enemy to your memory. When your body is stressed, it produces something called cortisol, and cortisol is really going to inhibit your brain's ability to memorize. So you need to really manage and control your stress, and you can do this through a couple ways. You can do it through good nutrition and exercise. You can do it through breathing. You can do it through just closing your eyes and just sort of calming yourself down. And you can also do it by being very well prepared. Rehearse, if it, you know, it's a memory tournament, I will rehearse that event a hundred times. You know, practice. I think we get nervous. Nerves tend to be more dominant when we are not prepared. So if it's a memory tournament and you haven't trained that event a hundred times, you might be a little bit nervous. Or if you go in to take a test, a history test, and you haven't studied adequately, you might be nervous. Nerves, I think, are often a product of not being prepared. So do the things like breathing and calming yourself down and, and good nutrition and exercise. Those are all great in calming your nerves. But also, don't forget, one of the greatest things you can do to calm your nerves is to be prepared. That's great advice. And have you always had this a great memory naturally or if not how did you train it and get it to the expert level it's at now well you know uh, so i'm 48 years old now so 30 years i've been doing memory training and i did not always have my memory at this level um and it just came down to learning the system i teach a system known as the memory palace or the mind palace and inevitably if somebody gives me something to memorize a list of words a deck of cards or anything i'm gonna go back to that system and I really believe that I'm not relying on my natural ability. Um, I, I don't think I'm a dumb guy. Uh, I don't think I'm, but I don't think I'm Albert Einstein either. Uh, it's not IQ that enables me to, or anybody, to do these memory feats. It is a system and learning this system and just kind of sticking to the basics of the system. Would you mind talking about the system, maybe some tips? Yeah. So basically to uh, remember anything, I... I'd say 90% of the time I use a technique known as the mind palace or the memory palace. Uh, it's called, been called many things over the years. Uh, it goes back about 2,500 years. Uh, it's been called the journey method or the method of loci. But I think the mind palace or the memory palace is, is one of the most common things it's referred to. And here's the concept. To remember anything, you memorize a map of your house. So... In the room that you're in right now, you'd look around the room that you're in and you'd pick five pieces of furniture, the desk, the bed, the dresser, the TV, the refrigerator, whatever, five in this room. And then you'd memorize five in the next room. Then you'd memorize five in the next room. So 
in your house, if you had five in a room, and I'm talking big pieces of furniture, not small, like desks, beds, TVs, dressers, microwaves, windows, closets, showers, sinks, whatever. Then let's say you number 25, 30 pieces of furniture in your house. And tonight before you went to bed, you closed your eyes and you set them one, number one is a desk, two is a bed, three is a dresser, four is a TV, five is a picture, or whatever they are for you. Yours would be different. And then you say them all the way one to 30. And then you go backwards 30 to one, then one to 30, then 30 to one. And you get that down to where you just, you just know it easy. So that's the first step. That's building your mind palace. The next step is, is you go to your history class tomorrow and the teacher says, hey, guess what? On our next history test, everybody's going to have to write out all the presidents of the United States. You're like, no problem. I should be able to memorize that in about 10 minutes. How could you memorize that list in 10 minutes? You take the first president, Washington, and you would imagine a washing machine on the first piece of furniture in your mind palace. You would take the second president, Adams, a dam. I would imagine a dam for Adams. And you would imagine a dam on the number two piece of furniture in your mind palace. We'll do one more. The third president of the United States was Jefferson. So I see a chef in the sun, Jefferson, Jefferson, on my third piece of furniture. So whatever you want to memorize, you see it as a picture, Jefferson, a chef in the sun, Adams, a dam, Adams. You see whatever you want to remember as a, as a picture, and then you place it in, in your mind palace. And then you just go over it until you got it. Uh, I recently memorized the United States Constitution word for word. It's 4,543 words. And I did it this way. The first line after the preamble, the first line of the Constitution says, all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. Well, I took that, I created a picture, and I won't go into all the details on the picture just because it's, you know, uh, it's only going to make sense to me anyways. But I created a picture that would help remind me of that, and I saw that on the number one location of my mind palace. The next line of the Constitution, I created a picture and put it on number two. So that's kind of the mind palace, and there's so many applications for that. I'd be happy to give more applications, but I just kind of want to stick to what, what you want to talk about here too. That's a great tip. How can the mind palace or any other tips apply to sports, maybe like memorizing plays on a football field? You could. So you could memorize plays, um, you know, on a, on a football field. Uh, maybe you one room could be all the plays that are, are passing plays. And then the next room in your house could be all the running plays. So in other words, maybe you got five passing plays you want to memorize. I got a parrot. And, and sometimes you can hear him on these podcasts. Uh, if you hear a parrot in the background, that's what it is. Hey, Hugan, I'm on a podcast. Um, but if you want to memorize football plays, you would maybe have five passing plays. So you got five pieces of furniture in one room. You would see each one of those plays on each one of those five pieces of furniture. Then maybe you got five running plays that you want to memorize. Well, you got five pieces of furniture in the next room. And you might have, you know, four or three or whatever. I'm just giving you kind of a general idea. But one area or one section of your house could be the passing place. One area or one section of your house could be the running place. Now, something, you each one of those, those, those plays might be unique. In other words, one of the plays might have a slant right over the middle of the field. Well, if that's true, and that's what you need to remember that's specific about that play, and it's the third play that you're memorizing, 
on the third piece of furniture, see a, a line slanted going in the middle of that piece of furniture. So you know it's a slant over the middle. So in other words, you're going to have to pick something out about the play that you want to remember, create an image for it, and then see it on that furniture. But I certainly think anybody could memorize football plays that way. Now, I'll say this. Uh, I started memory training when I was 18. I'm now, now uh, 48. In the last 30 years, I haven't done any football. But I know in theory that you could cert that would certainly work. Are there any other, other applications of memory to like sports? Well, you know, I do jujitsu. I'm a purple belt in uh, jujitsu. And I think one thing that frustrates most people about wrestling and, and jujitsu or, or any type of martial arts like that is their, their teacher will teach them a move and it's the perfect move. And then they, you know, spar or, or in jujitsu we call sparring rolling. They'll spar or they'll roll or they'll grapple, whatever you want to call it. And they can't remember what they learned the previous week. And they're like, I just learned the perfect move for this and I can't remember it. So, my, my advice for that is, you know, when you're, when you're wanting to apply memory techniques to any sport, whether it's football or whether it's jujitsu or wrestling or whatever, my first advice is this. Just watch the play. If it's a football player, just watch it. Just watch the play. If it is a jujitsu move, just watch your teacher explain it. In other words, just watch it. Don't try to memorize it, but try to understand what's going on. Oh, okay, I understand what's going on. Once you've understood what's going on, then you can memorize the key steps. Okay, I got to slant over the middle. Or if it's in jujitsu, okay, I got to pull this guy's arm and, uh, and, 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 and sweep my legs over his back or something like that. So you're going to need to memorize the specific intricacies of the move. But once you have the specific intricacies of the move memorized, you can then place it on your uh, files. For here, let me give you an example to jujitsu. So in jujitsu, there's a position called side control. There's one called mount, uh, and there is one called guard, and there's, there's back. So let's just talk about those four. Side control, mount, guard, and back. Well, I want to know five moves from side control, five moves from mount, five moves from guard, and five moves from back. So I will have five pieces of furniture in each room, and I have these four rooms well, in my side control room, there is a move called the bread cutter. I know what the bread cutter is. I don't have to memorize the specific intricacies of the bread cutter. I just need to know that, remember, remember, Ron, you can do the bread cutter from side control. So on my number one piece of furniture in that room, I'm going to see I'm cutting bread. On the number two piece of furniture in that room, I'm going to see an X, like a letter X, because the next move I can do is an X choke. So in, from side control, I can do a bread cutter or I can do an X choke. So in my side control room, I'm seeing those moves. So I don't want to get, I'm, I don't, I hope I'm not getting too confusing here, but here's the overall thing for sports. For sports, I think it's really important, number one, to understand the, the process of what's going on. Number two, when you memorize the move after you have it memorized, place it in your mind palace. What's the value of that? What is the real value of that? Here's what the value of that is. Let's say you learn a football play and you learn five plays. And then in two weeks, you want to review what you learned. Well, if you don't have them on five pieces of furniture in your house, you might only remember four of them, but you don't know which one you're missing. Well, if you put them on five pieces of furniture in your mind palace, 
You know, oh, I'm missing the one that was on the TV or the dresser. In other words, you know what you're missing. So that's the, a big value in, in putting stuff on the Mind Palace. You're able, you're able to review it. You know if you're missing anything. And it, it's, it's a really great uh, process for review. Um, overall in sports, I would like to say one more thing, though. I think it's really important to understand that you can't just memorize plays in or 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 jujitsu or or wrestling or whatever. You got to get out there and do it. I mean, you got to get out there and train. You got to get the muscle memory in. But memory can be a tool in your toolbox for sure. Thank you for that. And why do you think the mind palace is so effective? Is it because like uh, you're familiar with the items in your house? Yeah, you know what? It, the Mind Palace is effective in part because you're familiar with the, the things in your house. Uh, that's really why it is. But you're, it's just your mind remembers things it sees, you know, like it, like it really sees. You could see a car accident. You could be standing on the road 20 miles from your house. You could be standing on the road, watch a car accident happen, and you'd remember it perfectly for weeks, maybe years, maybe the rest of your life. Because you see things that are happening in front of you you just that's just how our brain works so if we can see things that actually happen and place them on locations in our brain our brain will remember them if it's crazy enough just like that car accident so the mind palace works because you're seeing things happen crazy but those are things right there in front of you in your house but it doesn't have to be just your house it can be your school your your work uh, your friend's house, uh, your favorite restaurant, um, your favorite sports stadium. I have the, the Texas Rangers, you know, baseball team. I've got 25, 30 landmarks, f spots built in that uh, stadium as, as my location. So, uh, you know, it's hard to say specifically why it works other than the mind remembers what it sees and what, what it sees happening. Okay, got it. But... Even if a person can train their memory, isn't it partly biological so there's a limit to how good someone's memory could be? Well, you know, the hardest thing for me to convince people of is I don't have a natural ability to memorize. They think that I probably do. I don't feel like I do. Now, with that said, you know, I'll go compete in memory tournaments and the people who, they're, you know, some memory champions do really, really well. Uh, and I'm like, man, there's, they're just so much smarter than me. In other words, you know, it's a natural genetic biological thing. And there may be some truth to that, you know, when you get up to that really, really high level of, of memorizing and learning. But I think anybody can improve their memory. I think whether you have a really poor memory or you have a really good memory, whether you have an average IQ, a below average or above average, I think anybody can get really, really, really good levels or good things done with memory training. Um, so anybody can improve their memory. And then when you get, I mean, when you get to like fine tuning it, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there's something there. And I don't even know if it's necessarily as much as memory. Just some people have a, um, you know, they're, they're, they're prone to anxiety or depression or brain fog and that kind of stuff. And since they're, and since they're prone to that, it's probably going to hurt their ability to, me to memorize and remember. I see. And what is the difference between the short and long-term memory and the working memory? And how does each one relate to sports? Well, you know, short-term memory is is kind of your working memory, you know, five to seven seconds or whatever. Long-term memory is going to be if I asked you, you know, where did you uh, where'd you go to junior high or something like that. That's in your long-term memory. Uh, what did you do, uh, you know, two hours ago? It might be in your short-term memory. It might have been not a big deal and you, you won't remember it in a week. Um, so 
your short-term memory and long-term memory, the, the difference is, is how do you, and how do you get something in your long-term memory? One of the greatest ways to get something in your long-term memory is just repetition and, and review. Repetition, review will put something in your long-term memory. Um, and also lots of action and emotion and, and seeing it. And as far as sports, you know, let's think about, let's apply it to sports for a second. Uh, I can tell you right now where I was when, when the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks won the 2001 World Series. Why? Action and emotion. Uh, you know, I, that was 19 years ago. And I can remember the emotion of that base hit and off of Mariano Rivera. I can feel it. So in regards to sports, things will be cemented in our long-term memory if there's a lot of action and emotion. You know, people listening to this, they might think of a sporting event where there was a lot, there was, a, the, the, it was so emotional. It was just so emotional. And that emotion is something that's gonna cement it into long-term memory. So emotion definitely puts stuff in your long-term memory. And I think we've all had emotional events in sports that we can remember right now. We can remember if they even happened years ago because of the emotion. I know you kind of touched this, touched on this before, but if this jogs your memory, um, what is the advantage of having a super memory in sports? Well, I think an advantage of having a super memory in sports, uh, the, one of the things might be remembering what your opponent did. You know, oh, last time my opponent was in this situation was third down and two. I remember they ran this play. Or you're in jujitsu. Ah, oh, I remember the last time my opponent uh, was in had me in side control. They did this move, and if you can remember the things that your opponents did in previous plays when they were in similar situations, that's really going to play to your advantage. So that's one way that memory can help you in sports. Another way that memory can help you in sports is in, is in regards to your own game, your own ability. You know, you may have learned the perfect move or you may have learned something that worked really well for you. But if you don't remember it and you're not able to implement it and put it in your toolbox and keep using it over and over again, you know, then what value is it? So memory is going to help you in sports in regards to remembering what your competitor has done in, in the past. Number two, it's going to help you improving your own game because you remember and you're, you remember the moves that you're learning. So let me recap. Your memory helps you in sports for, by, by remembering the what your 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 opponent did in a similar situation. Number or, the, or number th two, it helps. Uh, here's here's where it helps you. So number one, having a good memory helps you by remembering what your opponent has done in a previous situation. Number two, it helps you just by learning new moves. Oh, you're, you 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 learned the bread cutter, or you learned or you learned the helicopter sweep in jujitsu, or you oh, let's remember that. And then number three, I think it helps you remember what you did well. You know, if you can remember what you did well, you can focus on that and uh, and do it more. In other words, you got a move that that really worked for you. Uh, you might want to put that in your in your in your mental toolbox. Great. And I'm going to move on to more general memory questions now that are not necessarily sports related. But if there's a connection to sports, that's even better. And feel free to talk about it in that context. So. Um, does using techniques lead to long-lasting permanent change, or is it temporary? Like if you memorize all of the U.S. states, but then forget it for a while, will your brain just remember a year later, or do you have to use it actively to remember it again? 
Well, you know, I memorized uh, the United States Constitution word for word in 2018, 4,543 words. And I didn't think about it for a year. I didn't know it. I was like, whoa, this is so terrible. It was a really uh, sobering experience for me to have devoted that, devoted months to memorizing the Constitution. And then I didn't actually know it uh, a year later because I didn't review. There was a period of eight months that I didn't think about it. So you do have to continually review something to keep it in your long-term memory. I mean, that's just a fact. You have to keep reviewing it until you get to a point. And then once you reach that point, you you don't have to keep reviewing it as much. Um, but to get it really solid in your long-term memory, you need to continually review it. And it's this analogy I would, I would make in sports, you know, it's just – it's practicing the same play over and over and over again. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, doing the same move over and over again in sports. Um, cements it in your memory. But if you don't review it for a year or you don't review it for two years, yes, you may still be able to recall points of it. Like, oh, I still remember the Calavelle, the capital of Alabama was Montgomery. Or I still remember the third president was Jefferson. But you won't know it as perfectly and as smoothly if you haven't rehearsed it. So there's a value in rehearsing and reviewing the things that you want to keep in your long-term memory. I see. And one of your blogs is about how to learn a language fluently in six months. Is that really possible? And did you do that? Well, you know, um, I, it, I, it, I, it is possible because people have told people do it. You know, people do become fluent in languages in six months. You know, the military... Uh, sends people to language schools all the time and they become fluent in a language in six months but it you have to do you know immersion really and and really just deep dive into that language and it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort uh and i have not devoted myself to a language like spanish or hebrew or german or italian or anything like that for six months but i have become fluent in the constitution in six months which is 4543 words or i did i memorized everybody who died in the war in afghanistan which is 7,000 words uh, rank first name last name and i did that in about a little over six months so I have devoted myself intensely to memory projects that were 7,000 words or that were 4,500 words. And I did learn them in six months or less, or maybe a little bit more. And so I became fluent in those. And so I know that, yeah, I, if I could memorize 7,000 words in, in this topic, I could memorize, you know, a thousand German words or whatever. Um, so it is possible people become fluent in languages all the time in six months. But it's a tremendous amount of immersion. It's a tremendous amount of repetition. It's a tremendous amount of practice uh, and dedication and discipline. But the human brain is magnificent. It's wonderful. It is marvelous. And if somebody will devote themselves six months to something like that, like just day in and day out, nonstop immersion, you will be amazed, 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 astounded at what your brain is capable of. I see. And are there any other methods or tips that you use besides the Mind Palace to help you memorize all these stuff like the Constitution? Well, the Mind Palace is my favorite memory technique just because you can close your eyes and you can see a room. But, you know, there are other memory te techniques that uh, that I use at, at different times. And, um, you know, one is just uh, uh, it's called a, the PEG system where you have a, an image for numbers. My image for the number one is a pencil because a pencil is a straight line. And a, number one is a straight line. My image for the number two is a duck because a duck's neck is curved. Well, the number two is curved. My image for the number three is a mountain because if you turn a number three on its side, 
uh, you know what? And sometimes let's use a better example for that. Sometimes I use a, a triangle for three because the triangle has three sides. So I have images for every number uh, up to a thousand actually, but let's just say I had images for numbers up to 20. Then when I want to memorize something, instead of attaching it to my mind palace, I would attach it to this peg system. So the peg system is, is another memory method. It's not my favorite, but it works. Uh, another memory technique that you that, that people often employ is acronyms. They want to memorize all the Great Lakes. Well, the Great Lakes are Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior. And they're thinking, how can I memorize Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior? So they create an acronym, HOMES, H-O-M-E-S, HOMES, to memorize the five Great Lakes. And so acronyms are another way to memorize. My favorite's the Memory Palace is what I go to, but there are other memory techniques out there. Great. What are some myths about memory in the brain that you want to share with our audience? Well, I think one of the first myths is, and people say it all the time, is we only use 10% of our brain. That's not true. We use our entire brain. And I think what people mean when they say that is we're using it to 10% of its efficiency. You know, in other words, maybe we could get better, but, you know, we're using, you're using 100% of your brain. Even when you are asleep, you're using more than 10% of your brain. So I think that is one myth. Um, I think there's a, another myth, a brain myth, is this, this: you have to forget something. You have to push something out to learn something new. Like there's a limited amount of space in your brain, and it can only hold so much data. And, and, and there may be a limited amount of space, but the limited amount of space is so massive that no human will ever achieve it. So you're, there's no limit uh, to your, and if there is a limit, you're not going to reach it in your lifetime. It might take you a couple hundred years of just memorizing nonstop all day long to get to that limit. Um, and I don't even know if there is a limit, to be honest with you. But I think there's a myth that you have to forget something to put something new in. And you know, I heard that once on the Simpsons. Simpsons, and people actually believe it. Um, number one, you use your entire brain. Number two, you're not going to reach a limit for your brain. Um, and number three, that if you, whatever level your memory is at, people think, well, I have a bad memory. Well, I have a good memory. That's it. No, 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 no. That's not it. I mean, is there any other area of your life where you would just say, oh, that's it. You know what? I'm really hungry right now, but I don't have any food. Oh, well, that's it. No, go get yourself some food. You know, so you can't, don't just say, I have a terrible memory. That's it. No, do some things that learn, that improve your memory. You, and anybody can improve their memory. I really believe that. That's great advice. Yeah. And would you have any other resources that would be like kid friendly for athletes to use? Like maybe, I know you have a YouTube channel that you post tips and like guides. Yeah, you know, if someone went to YouTube and they tapped in Ron Ron White Memory in YouTube, my channel would pop up. I think the, the I think the domain RonWhiteVideo.com redirects to, to my YouTube channel. But yeah, there's there's probably you know there's hundreds of I have hundreds of YouTube videos, uh, and they're all friendly for students. You know, the people uh, high school, junior high and high school teachers will play them in their classrooms all the time. And any final thoughts, tips, or advice for our listeners? Well, my final tips and advice would be that if you want to get good at sports, you're going to need to practice. You're going to need to train. 
Um, you're going to need to get out there on the football field and run laps. You're going to need to pay attention to your diet. You're going to need to pay attention to your sleep. If you want to get really good at football, you're going to do have to do that or, or jujitsu or baseball or basketball or whatever your sport is. But those things are also going to help your memory. People think, oh, no, I don't need to improve my memory because I'm going to be an athlete. I'm going to be an athlete. And because of that, I don't need to have a good memory. I don't need to be one of the smart folks or whatever. No, 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 no. They go hand in hand. They are the same. When you improve your physical health, your brain is going to work better for you. When your health, when your body is healthier, your brain is going to be healthier. So they work. So your 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 the sports of football and baseball and jujitsu and wrestling, all that's going to help your memory. And then you work on your memory and you work on your intellectual side of remembering things. Well, then that's going to help you with your sports. So they help each other. So get it out of your brain that, oh, I'm just going to be good at schoolwork and not sports, or I'm just going to be good at sports and not schoolwork. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a star athlete on the football field, and I'm not saying you need to be a straight A student either. I'm not saying you have to, to be at the top of either one of these these uh, areas, these disciplines. But I am saying that they're both going to help each other. By learning how your brain works, it's going to help you in sports. By exercising, and sports is one of those ways you exercise, it's going to help your brain. So I want you to see them as hand in hand, as part of the same team, as members of the same marching band, just playing different instruments. And then my last point would be, if you want to improve your memory and you really want to focus on something and just get some amazing, crazy results, like crazy results, create a mind palace for yourself. Five in your house or five pieces of furniture in each room, five in your living room, five in your bedroom, five in your bathroom, five in your kitchen, number 25, 30 pieces of furniture in your house. Then get to where you can say them forwards and backwards. Then get a list of 30 words. And try to memorize them by visualizing the fifth word on your number five piece of furniture, the ninth word on your number nine piece of furniture. And I think you will be amazed and astounded at how good your memory really is. Well, Ron, um, all your accomplishments are amazing and super impressive. And thank you for being on here. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm, um, you know, I, I, I honestly, I decline most podcasts. Uh, and it's not because I, um, uh, well, it's just because I, I got so much going on. And of course, but your your requests, you know, really stood out to me. You know, the way you approached it and your professionalism. And so, uh, you know, I might only do uh, five to ten podcasts a year. So I'm happy that this was one of my five to ten podcasts for 2020. Ron, thank you so much, and I hope our audience will take away what you advised. And yeah, well, thank you, Brandon. I think your po- I wish you tremendous success with your podcast, and uh, and I know, I know you're doing great things. So keep up the good work.